Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. While studying a text, one of the prayers is, Lord, what's the main thing you want our church family to know out of this text? And We'll get into the outline and everything, but there's a word, God's grace, and I just sensed him whispering all week, tell him about my grace, tell him about my grace, and something happened the first hour that, unplanned, but you know you have worship moments inside of worship moments, and um, Evan Johnson plays our drums, and his precious little one-and-a-half-year-old was here with Sarah, and she um, shouted during worship, and Evan, dad, he's fully engaged in drumming, but he heard his daughter's cry and just a big smile and caught eyes with Sarah and they're just delighting in their child in the midst of worship. And what it spoke to my heart was, your father hears your cry this morning. And I know we come in and may feel like, for some of us, I know it's been a hard week and got challenges that you're wondering how you're going to get through it and just know that, that he hears you, that he loves you and we go into this Easter season, it's really a basking in the love of God for us that is beyond measure. And so just want to encourage you with that. Also, just say, uh, good to be back with you. And we appreciated the time to be away last week, resting and refueling. But it was so neat to, to worship along with you via our video venue. And just uh, grateful for the chance to join in. For me, it was Monday morning, and I was I'm getting my workout at Bostick Gym and listening to our worship, and just the, the worship, if, I don't know if you've gone back and listened to our worship service, but the excellence with which our, our team puts this together, that we can continue to pull up and, and play throughout the week, was just thankful for that. And then Sally Stewart's sharing around the 21-day challenge and the open doors piece, I, left me thinking, oh man, I was like, Lord, help Kyle. Because that was one of those moments we could have just prayed and gone home. What she shared was so good about just open doors and walking through those. And then appreciated Kyle bringing God's word and good to be together. And then just hearing my brothers, um, I think it was Bo and Tim, the service I listened to, pray for communion and just being reminded that we have a family and we're here for each other and, and uh, appreciate the part you're playing, excited for, uh, for where God is leading us. And today, we are in a text that really syncs up with our, our Go Reach 21-day training plan. If you've been doing this, you know, this is, we've, we started the first week on praying that God would just ready us to share our faith, the second week on preparing what to say, and then this last week has really been taking some courageous action steps, doing it, and stepping out, and, and when God opens a door, going ahead and, and inviting somebody to the church having a spiritual conversation or, or something like that. So today we're going to pace with two guys who are, they're going all in with, uh, with sharing their faith. And the big idea is this, it's Paul and Barnabas, Acts 14 is where we'll be. But here's the big idea, let's go share the message of God's grace. And so when I say, when I say let's go, does anyone else see a commercial that comes to your mind that's been Maybe it's just on my playlist and the things I'm watching, but I immediately think of Tom Brady saying in the Hertz commercial, let's go. Does anyone else see that, or is that just me? I'm, I'm so, a few people, all right. So I, I was thinking, all right, let's go. And, and what's the challenge? Let's go share 
the message of, of God's grace with those around us. And so, simple challenge today will be to do that. The text will be Acts 14. So if you would join me there. And what we'll do is we'll, we'll work our way through, start with the first seven verses. Quick context on where Paul and Barnabas are at. So we know the church was birthed. Acts 13 is where the church prays. And while they're praying, God nudges them to send out Paul and Barnabas to go start churches, to make disciples, to share the gospel with people. As people respond in faith to the gospel, you have a disciple. So then you start teaching them the way of Jesus. When you get more than one disciple, now you have a, uh, you form a church. And that's why we call our, we have a church planting team that, that really the goal is make disciples and then a gathering of disciples forms a church. Raises a great question though, what's a church? Well, we know couple weeks ago we talked it's an ecclesia gathering of Christ followers and love the DNA piece that we often say who are focused on Jesus he is our leader focused on his word we're bible based we're love fueled or his love is what motivates us to do what we do we're spirit empowered the Holy Spirit animates all that we do and then we're unified around the mission of making disciples which for Westbridge we, we say our mission is to help one another become fully devoted followers of Christ for the glory of God and what's neat about the church, as you see it in Acts, is the structure is really pretty simple. There's not much to it, it's, which makes it very scalable and transferable, culture to culture and size to size. You can have a church of 20 or a church of 20,000. There's two offices, two ordinances that, that Jesus called us to. Two offices, elder, deacon, two ordinances, baptism, communion. We gather for worship to equip, build each other up, to go out and do the mission. And, and that happens um, what the text we'll look at today is in what is today modern-day Turkey, but wherever in the world and um, whatever the context, the church can thrive. And so here we see uh, these guys are, we're going to catch them halfway through their first missionary journey, and they're in Gentile country. They've been in Jewish country, but we'll pick it up in uh, Acts 14, verse 1, where it says, at Iconium, which was a, a thriving city on a, thir- a uh, highway, Roman highway, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue, so the place of worship for the Jews. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent, or therefore, Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. And I love that picture. How does he summarize the message? That, that, and, and if we could summarize the gospel in one word, the message of, it's a message of grace. God's grace, undeserved favor. And it goes on, verse four, it says, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders, to mistreat and stone them. So now they're facing possible death. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities. And so the, uh, on a map, if you were to see this, basically, if, if they were in, say, Danville, now they're fleeing west about 20 miles. And basically, in this culture, it was into the sticks. It was into a uh, more rural, rustic area. Laconian literally means the land of wolves. It was a land of, uh, yeah, it was the outback of this region. We know that Lystra and Derby were agricultural areas. 
it was interesting to me to find out that one of the primary crops in Lystra was corn. And so I was like, hey, yeah, I, it makes sense. If you want to get away from some people, we all know we grew up in, around here, a great place to hide out is in a cornfield. Hard to be found, easy to get lost. And so there they go to Laconia and Lystra and Derby and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. All right, so as we follow these guys on their go-reach mission, living out the mission God's given them, the first challenge is let's go throwing off the blankets of apathy as we share the message of God's grace. In these first seven verses and really throughout the rest of the text, one thing that you'll notice is their life is active. Action, action, action marks these guys. Now, we want to be in step with the Spirit, not move apart from the Spirit. But one thing we know is when God says, nudges us to go, we go, we move. And you just love that right here in the first verse. It says, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. Now, they're going to face opposition there when they share the message of Christ, but they go. And it's a usual thing. This is their habit. They get up, get busy, get her done. They're they're going, they're moving, they're they're, um, taking the gospel Acts 13, the church sent these guys out to do what? Share the gospel, make disciples, plant churches. They don't sit back and talk about it, strategize about it. Well, let's think, think, think a little bit more about this. The paralysis of analysis, they're going, they're moving, they're doing. So here's the challenge for us today, you guys. When God nudges you to to be active in sharing the message of his grace, to have a spiritual conversation, build a bridge of friendship, or go help somebody, but but with the prayer, Lord, I'd love to share the message of your grace. Are you moving? Am I moving? Are we going? And Paul and Barnabas, their message to us is, let's go, let's go. Get her done. I love the uh, picture. Also, opposition arises there in verse 3. And that's the reason they stay. It says, so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there. They didn't leave. But then it's interesting that when they found out that there was a threat on their lives, they fled. And immediately made me think of the uh, Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold him, when to fold him, when to walk away, when to run. And they're like, this is time to run. And why? Or, or how do we know those times makes us ask that question. And it, it's they were spirit led. And the comfort of just as we live out this life mission, we walk by the spirit and we're prayerfully dependent upon him. Lord, do you want me to stay now? Or do you want me to go now? How do you want me to And even as they go, notice the action. They're sharing the gospel. They continued to preach the gospel as they go. So the challenge for us is to be active uh, as we set out to share the message of God's grace. And think, what an encouragement to us today. Just to, uh, often we we get comfortable under those blankets of apathy and in our lives, um, you know, and we get our friend group and even as as churches, we have just wonderful churches and experiences and can just be like, all right, we just hit cruise, you know. But there's a world out there that God calls us, people who don't know him, and our mission is to go and, and interact with people who would never come into a church with the hope of sharing the message of, of God's grace with them. So the question today, what's God nudging you to do? Maybe it's to reach out and befriend a neighbor, help a neighbor build a friendship Maybe it's to enter that third space, a hobby of some kind or a, you know, a meeting place where you interact with people who may not know Christ. Maybe it's to move out of your normal place at the soccer field.
field as you watch your kid and set your chair up to somebody that you haven't met yet and form a friendship with them. Maybe it's to uh, invite that person to Easter that we've been thinking, praying about, but this is that week that we have that opportunity. It pumped me up uh, hearing Rob and Daryl on the pickleball courts, which is a, one of the, the big waves of hobbies coming through our culture. During one of the tournaments, they named their team Team Westbridge. It was just a simple way of, hey, maybe sparking a conversation or, um, and a chance to invite somebody to our church family. Kimmy and Lindsay, several months ago, said, hey, what if we went out to the soccer fields or the baseball fields where the people are, where our community is, and we just loved on people via donuts and coffee or something, and then we're a welcoming presence to church. If you don't have a church home, we'd love to have you. Good idea, but it sat there on the table. Last week, I think it might have been during Kyle's message or she was processing this, Kimmy sent an email out to our community outreach team. I think this is the time God wants us to go. Is anybody else on board? And we're like, let's go. And so this Saturday, this coming Saturday, she talked to Ramona and said, uh, hey, Ramona's the soccer commissioner. Could we set up a little tent and love on people and hand out donuts and invite people to Easter? And Ramona said, go for it. And so that's going to be happening this, this Saturday. And I love that, just that picture of let's do something. Let's go. Let, let's be active. Move as we share the message of God's grace. I know many of you are involved in coaching youth sports, and just thank you for that. A ministry to kids and families, but that's one of the great opportunities, I think, in our culture to just be praying, Lord, how, how do you want me to be your presence to the, the people I get to share life with in, in, in these, these moments? One story that continues to challenge me is, of, is about Dr. Dick, Paul Dixon, who is president of uh, Cedarville University. And he, hit, he and his wife hit the retirement season of life. Could have been easy to downshift a little bit on mission. And they were down in wintering in Florida with some friends at a retirement community. And his buddies were like, hey, Paul, would you teach a Bible study? Great Bible teacher. And he's like, yep, on one condition. Everyone that comes has to bring a friend who doesn't know Christ. He's <laughs> like, yeah. Man, just pushing us, you know. And uh, thinking about the mission, keeping us and being active in that. So wherever it is that, that you're sensing God's nudge to share his message of, of truth today, would you hear Paul and Barnabas just shout, let's go, let's go, be active. Toss the blankets of apathy, take a risk, get up, get busy, and get it done. Let's go. I love the way Paul set, does this for Timothy. Paul's about to die, and he's writing that last letter to Timothy and his mentee in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, and he says, But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, and do the work of an evangelist. It's not like, think about it, pray about it. He's like, Timothy, do it. Now, what do we know about Timothy? What, what did he struggle with? It's timidity and, and fear and, and um, stepping out there. And, and what's he call him to do? And he's probably not gifted as an evangelist, but what's he call, call him to do? Do it. Build into your personal life the rhythms of evangelism. The, uh, and then discharge the duties of your ministry. This Go Reach training plan has been so, I hope it's been encouraging to you. I know it's been pumping me up. And none of us do it perfectly. It's, it's really just to create a level of fitness in us, though, where this isn't something we do and then check, but it's something that 
creates a, a fitness around us sharing the message of God's grace so that we're, we're living ready and, and we're living at that fitness level. And so if you want to grab one of these, they're in the back. We, uh, I, I run this twice a year for my own soul. And once the, in September at the start of the football season, once at March at the start of March Madness, I enjoy sports. And I see these guys giving their everything for a game that has no eternal impact. And so I do this to just pump me up to give my all in the game that will have e- eternal impact. And so i um, excited about how God's going to hopefully continue to, to encourage us all in that way. All right, let's go then, sharing the message of God's grace. Well, what Paul and Barnabas are about to encounter is one of the, it's an unexpected but, but massive trap that is set for them there in Lystra. And it's a trap that may be one of the most subtle and dangerous to our souls as well. It's a trap that we all face. And we see it there in verse 8 as uh, Luke records. He says, in Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth. He had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. And Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. And he called out, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. First public miracle we see Paul do. It should trigger, is this ringing a bell? This same miracle happened in Acts 3 when Peter, in a Jewish context, healed a guy. And that miracle should trigger a bell back to Luke's gospel, Luke 5, when Jesus heals a guy. And I think what Luke's trying to explain to us to hear, help us see, is that Jesus, through his body, is still moving in his church, through the apostles and through his church, through Paul or through Peter to the Jews, and now in Acts 14, through Paul to the Gentiles. Jesus is at work, and he heals this guy. But here comes the trap. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Laconian language. And most scholars feel that this dialect was probably something that Paul and Barnabas didn't quite understand. The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was a chief speaker. So quick question as we're studying this is like, okay, how did these people get to Zeus and Hermes? Like, and thinking Paul and Barnabas were Greek gods. Well, historians help us out in that in this very area, in Lystra, Derby, in this area, there was a legend that the Greek gods, Hercules and Hermes, or I'm sorry, uh, Zeus and Hermes had visited this village in, in a disguised form as travelers, and they, uh, everyone in the community locked their doors when they wanted to come in and, and have a place to stay, except one older couple who opened their doors, welcomed in Zeus and Hermes, and then they revealed their identity, and they took out the rest of the, the citizens, but they gave this old couple, they uh, awarded them a, a beautiful temple and made them guardians of that temple. So this is a myth, legend, that parents would tell their kids. So it's interesting, as Paul and Barnabas come walking into this culture, they're walking into a culture that is primed not to make the same mistake again. In fact, they have a temple outside their city to Zeus. Like, we are going to remember, if two travelers show up, we're showing them some hospitality. And so they come walking in here, and uh, they called Barnabas Zeus, which if you're wanting to be called a Greek god, this is the, I, I was thinking about our superheroes, Batman and Robin. Who, who would you rather be, Batman or Robin? 
You want to be Batman. And so it is there. Zeus, and when you see pictures of Zeus, he's the, he is the, he's the ruler of the pantheon, the Greek gods. He's the ruler of all the gods. He's the father of all the gods and of humans, according to their, their legends. And so um, and one of my hypotheses, God gave Barnabas to Paul because Barnabas was a, a big brother who could, just by looking at him, kind of scared people. And I, I think there's a clue here, because <laughs> they knew Paul would need it. He was always somewhat controversial, and, and uh, so they called him Zeus, but they called Paul Hermes. Hermes, if you read the Greek gods, they attributed, he had some skills, but, but his primary skill was being a messenger of the gods, and he, here Luke references that, being the chief speaker. So this is, catches him, I'm sure catches these guys off guard. Watch what happens next, verse uh, 13. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bowls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. So what's the trap? It's the trap of human praise or the pedestal of human praise. Can you imagine how good this must have felt to these guys who were living in a, a respect uh, deprived atmosphere, just come in, they're running for their lives, they've been rejected in Iconium, they're, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard, and they're hoping just to survive, and here you have a culture that's ready to give you the keys to the town, pretty much, seeing you as, as Greek gods, confusing you as Greek gods, and, and you stop and think, what, what do we all long for? The desire in our hearts, we, we feel it in our own heart as of human praise, of human approval, and the temptation here would, would have been, if just for a few moments, to uh, bask in the sunlight of, <laughs> hey, they, we're not Zeus or Hermes, but let's, let's have a meal or two first before we break the bad news <laughs> that we're just human. It's the pedestal of human praise. We feel the temptation in our own hearts. The, uh, and I think the peace that's especially scary is why did they want to think that they were God's? They had performed a healing. That was God's gift of grace to, to Paul to be able to do this. And the temptation to use the gifts that God has given us, the spiritual gifts, as a means to elevate ourselves, to have a platform, put ourselves on a pedestal and to receive praise from those around us. And the, uh, the question as we read on is, will they have a seat on that pedestal of praise or will they sidestep? that pedestal of praise. And what happens is just such an encouraging uh, text moment and one I think we can replay and it gives us a path to follow. Verse 14, but when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all the nations go their own way, yet he has not left us without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. And so here we see the second challenge is let's go. Sidestepping the 
pedestal of human praise to share the message of, of God's grace. You know what leaps out in this text is, I don't know if you feel it and see it, but it's the passion with which they respond to the possibility of human praise. It's like they rush out into the crowd. When they connect the dots as to what's going on, they rush into the crowds and they rush humbly. They're, uh, when you rip your clothes in Greek or uh, Jewish culture, you would do that at blasphemy. But I know, can you imagine that moment? Like they're ripping their clothes. Going bare belly, I'm assuming, would be a humbling thing, but also a, like that's hard to miss that message. And they're not just, hey guys, can we have a talk about this? They're shouting, why are you doing this? Do you know? Um, we are only humans like you, and they're passionate about de- declaring a message, the message of, of God's grace and the, uh, who Christ is. They'll, they'll get into that in the time to come. But what, a, to, what an encouragement to us. And just a, I found myself confessing this week, but also praying, Lord, give me this heart that at the prospect of praise, approval, that, that I would just flee from that and pursue your glory and not my glory. What you say, okay, what was the message that they gave? And, and this is interesting. This is the first message we see given to a, an almost all Gentile audience. And it's radical, the difference. If you remember the previous messages that we've heard like Peter give and even Paul give, they, they start with the Hebrew scriptures. You know, the, the, what we have is our Old Testament and they argue from that, this is the Messiah. There's no mention of the Hebrew scriptures here or of even Jesus yet. They'll get to that, get to Jesus. But where do they start? They start where the people are. We, we know these are polytheists. They believe in many gods. And so they establish the fact that there is one true God, the living God who made all things. He is creator. And they argue from the raindrop, the cornfield, and a plate full of food. <laughs> they start with the goodness and the grace and the kindness of God and say, guys, you know that plate full of food that is more than enough and fills your heart with joy? We're here with a message from the one who gave that to you. It's a God of grace. And he's given you something far more than food or a raindrop. He's given you what you need to have a relationship with him and enter into life at its very best for eternity. But it's interesting, I think, to us as we think about living in a post-Christian culture and it seems to be increasingly so. I know Tam, my wife, teaches third grade, and one day she um, had her Bible out there on the, the, uh, her desk, and one of the, a little girl came up and said, what's that? And she said, a Bible, and she said, what's a Bible? And you know, growing up in church, think, but this is a third grade girl in our community here in Danville who doesn't know what a Bible is. And so, you know, starting even you have to think through, okay, how, how are we going to share Christ? And we will get to Christ, but, but what's that look like? And challenges us to listen and, and be sensitive to where people are at. But back to the main point, at first glance, this scene feels so distant and ancient. Like, okay, that's, that was bizarre, <laughs> bizarre moment. And we're probably not going to have people running to us wanting to offer, confusing us for Zeus and Hermes. But the more you think about this moment, the more it becomes like this is us right now. As we think about even church and the culture within our church, churches, church at large in America, over the past two years, it it feels like God has been sifting his church and uh, kind of, uh, it's been a unique season. If you followed big church 
at all in terms of, uh, especially, at least here in America, celebrity pastor after celebrity pastor is just fallen and um, heart aching for what's being revealed, uh, moral failure and um, character crashing. But, but a bigger piece of this is the tendency for even the church to put leaders on a pedestal. And like, how did a pedestal get into church? There is only one hero, and there is only one that we look to as, as the one that we worship and we value and we elevate and we praise, and that's Jesus Christ our Lord. Every other leader is a humble servant, should be a humble servant, an unworthy servant, a sinful, broken human here to serve those around us. And granted, we're called to give honor to, and respect and love each other, but there is no place for a pedestal in the the church of Jesus Christ. He is the only one. And I love this moment where Paul and Barnabas are just sidestepping the, the pedestal of human praise. This week I was soaking in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 to 4 and encourage you if you want to dig deeper into this. But basically it was a problem in the church in Corinth where they were elevating Apollos and Peter and, uh, and uh, Paul and saying, ah, I think this leader's the best, and that leader's the best. And Paul's just like, guys, judge no leader before the judgment day. Because only then will we know who is truly good. Only then will motives of the heart be revealed. And then praise will be given to whom it is due. But until that day, don't get caught up in elevating leaders. No place in the, human, in the, uh, the church and the body of Christ. But what a gift God has given us here to uh, just help us in our own journey. When we fill our souls longing for human praise, to sidestep that and do it with passion. I love this picture of rush the crowd, um, tear our clothes, shout, I am only human, and lift up Jesus Christ. The one who came full of grace and truth to give us life at its very best. And so the, uh, as we set out to share the message of hope, let's go is the challenge. Let's go active, throwing off the blankets of apathy. Let's go sidestepping the, the pedestal of human praise and that trap that's set for our soul. And then let's go. Third challenge we see is we come to verses 19 and 20. Now, today they're loving Paul and Barnabas. The crowds are. But what do we know about human approval and the poles of human approval? They are as fickle as the weather, as Allen Iverson, basketball player, once said, today's headlines are tomorrow's toilet paper. And there's story after story that, that illustrates that. The, uh, the tide of popular opinion is ever-changing, and we see a change here as it says, verse 19, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, won the crowd over, they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. Can you believe that? <laughs> One moment, they're wanting to worship him. The next moment, they're stoning him, thinking he's dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up, and this is a scene from out of a, a movie or something. What's he do? He gets up, and he walks right back into that city that had um, left him for dead. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. And so the third challenge here is let's go, willing to endure suffering to share the message of God's grace. You know, as we watch Paul here take the hits, it reminds us that 
that uh, Jesus said we would take up a cross, and that involves suffering. Paul and Barnabas would circle back to this community. They'd leave and come back. But one of the messages you can read later in verse chapter 14 is, we must endure many persecutions to enter the kingdom of God. And living ready to suffer. This week I was reading a, a commentary by Paul Miller, who, if you remember last year, he wrote in our uh, J-Curve series, he wrote that book, and God has used him to encourage the church at large. But in his commentary, he said, the passion that God has put on my heart that I just can't get away from is to prepare the church at large for the coming of Christ, which is to prepare the church to suffer. We know that before Christ comes, persecution will increase, and the body of Christ, we must be ready to suffer. I just love this example from Paul where he takes the hits, but does he stop? No. He gets back up, walks into the city. One of the side messages to us, an encouragement to us today, is that when our suffering seems random and especially painful, to know God is at work. It's interesting here in this text, the first seven verses, they get a warning that, that a stoning is coming, and they get to flee. Paul may have been wondering, God, why did I have to take the stoning? Well, why couldn't I have gotten a warning, fled? Or I think what he, was, what he probably really was wondering when, his, when he woke back up and was like, I'm still on earth as, Lord, why couldn't I have just gone home? <laughs> I thought when the stones came, I was like, Stephen, this was going to be my departure day, and now I have to get back up. And I'm sure when he's limping back into Lystra, he's not feeling good. Why? Well, do you know who grew up, whose hometown Lystra was? Young man who was watching this play out, this was Timothy's hometown. And what was it that Timothy struggled with? Timothy would soon be a leader in the church, but what did he struggle with? Courage. <laughs> do you think young Timothy, watching his, the guy he's following, gets stoned and then walk back into town, do you think ever, he ever forgot that moment? <laughs> I just wonder how often that moment that he lived came back to his mind when he was struggling with being courageous and walking through whatever suffering that, that he would walk through to the point where when Paul writes his last letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, he says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, and sufferings. What kinds of things happen to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. Isn't that awesome? Paul must have wondered at the time, why the stoning? But what was God giving him? Providing a legacy for young Timothy who would take the gospel and carry on with courage. God is at work even in our times of suffering, and it challenges us to, uh, to let's go. So bringing it all together, today, as I was thinking about uh, who, who may be here today, and I, I don't want to assume that everyone here has received the gift of God's grace, but I, I want to invite you, if you haven't received the gift of grace, that that invitation from God is open to you today. And, and it's the most precious gift that you could receive. That I love the way that uh, Paul describes it in Romans 6, 23, where he says, the wages of sin is death, or the penalty of our sin. Sin is doing life apart from God, and the penalty for that is death. And you think physical death, yeah, but it's spiritual death. It's everything that we need to, to be, live fully alive in a soul that's alive we don't have. 
because of our sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God, it's not something that we work for, it's something that we just receive by faith. And Jesus said, whoever believes in me, you will live, you will have eternal life. And what do we believe about Jesus? That he took our sin upon himself, died in our place, was raised from the dead, and he promises eternal life to everyone who believes. The forgiveness of our sin, and then life forever with him into eternity. And I just want to offer that gift to you today. If you haven't received that, and, and would you take it, open it, and we'd, if you have questions about that, we'd love to talk with you more about that. Then I thought today, I know there's some of us here who you, feel, you may be feeling like Paul when he's walking back into Lystra, and you just feel beat up by life, and you've, you're going through a tough stretch. And just want to remind you that God's grace is sufficient for you. And the crazy thing is, when we are weakest, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, that's when we're strongest. The promise of God is, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And so I just want to hope you hear from the Lord. Keep on. Keep on. I love the picture of Paul walking back into Lystra with a band of brothers around him. (laughs) And one of the interesting side notes to this is, why didn't Barnabas get stoned? And I'm going to hypothesize I think Barnabas was out doing something else and they got to Paul while Barnabas wasn't there. But Barnabas is back with him, you know? And one of the questions left me thinking is, who, God, who, is, who have you made me a Barnabas to? And I got to check in on him this week. And that you, got a, you got a family and God's grace will flow through your family. But just be encouraged with that. And, and then the last for us all is what a gift God has given us. Coming into Easter week, this week through this text just a a challenge to from Paul and Barnabas let's go share the message of God's grace let's throw off the blankets of apathy you know and and when he nudges us to move let's just move let's take a risk let's go and let's sidestep the the pedestal of human praise and who cares what people think in fact let's fear what people think or or fear desiring their their uh, praise and then the last one let's be willing to suffer Um, suffer ready for the one who suffered for us as we share the message of grace. Let's go with that, with love for him and love for the people around us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of, of reliving this moment in time. Lord, we thank you for your grace that you poured out through Paul and Barnabas. And, and then this picture that just challenges us today and encourages us as well to be active and in, in letting the people around us know of your grace. Lord, we love you. We just are so uh, hearts full of gratitude, especially as we come to this week of Easter and as we remember the cross, what you've done for us. And then we look to, uh, we remember the empty tomb and just celebrate the reality that we are people of the resurrection. We thank you for your grace. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.